But let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In other words, the tough times that you go through, they have the potential of transforming you if you'll meet Jesus there. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for the wonderful accommodation and your hospitality and many expressions of kindness since I had the opportunity to arrive and happy birthday. I would say it in French, joyeux anniversaire, all right, with my Quebec accent. For those of you who speak good French, do not judge me, okay? <laughs> but anyway, glad to be with you. And if I could say it in another language, I speak Swedish too. I can say, so how do I even say that? Gratis. Yeah, gratis. That's very short, very sweet, very Ikea-ish. You just kind of put it together. But gratis pour faire de so that would be congratulations on your birthday, basically. But you guys could outdo me in languages, I am sure. So let's just stick to the Bible this morning. But uh, glad to be with you. Thank you, Pastor White. Thank you, uh, Grace Baptist Church, for your support. Uh, the Lord has done some wonderful things. Just last Sunday, after the message, uh, two people indicated the need to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, and that's what it's all about. And we're so thankful for that. Two or three weeks ago, another young man got saved, and we are looking for a new facility in order to fit the people that are coming. So thank you for praying for us. We read the passage there in Matthew chapter number 14. And I want to speak on the subject this morning from seen or seeing, if you will, to been or being. We would like to grow simply from what we see. But God loves us so much that he allows us to go through various things that will mold us into what God knows that we need to become. But before we discuss that, let's quickly turn to the Lord in prayer, commit these next few moments to him, and then we will see what he has for us in his word. Heavenly Father, Grace Baptist Church does not need to hear from me. We all need to hear from you. We are unworthy, and without you, we can do nothing. You tell us that in John chapter 15. So we give you these next moments, and I ask that you would take what I have prepared to say, but that you would tailor it to the needs of each person that is here. It is not my words, it is your word that matters. It is the scriptures, the Holy Bible. I pray that you would use it to teach each person, not from me, but directly from you. Help me to remove myself in such a way that you touch each heart. I pray if there is one here today who to this day cannot answer affirmatively that they know that they are your child, they cannot say that they know for sure that they're on their way to heaven. I pray that today they would have that assurance from the Bible. I pray for anyone who's here who has other needs, other problems, which I could not ever guess. I pray that you administer each heart in a way that is yours and yours alone. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's wonderful to learn. I'm a guy who learns by observation. I mean, you can tell me something, you can explain it to me, you can give me the user's manual. I'm the kind of guy who's going to go on YouTube and see if anybody's just done it. You know, Just show me how it's done. I'm a visual learner. I'm going to learn from a book but visual. And the Lord Jesus knows that if we are going to learn the life lessons that we need to learn, not only must we see it, however, we have to actually use our hands and eventually do it. We have to go through some things. In Matthew chapter 14, we saw that we see the disciples and they honestly have seen some wonderful and fantastic things walking with Jesus. They have seen blind people come to Jesus and walk away from Jesus seeing. They've seen people who were deaf, who could not hear, who come to Jesus, and Jesus touches the ear, and the person can finally hear. 
They've seen some wonderful things. They've seen lepers be healed. They've seen paralytics begin to leap and walk. They've seen people with medical issues walk away healthy. They've seen demon-possessed people be delivered from that. But on this day here, in Matthew 14, they themselves will be put in a position where they need Jesus. It's one thing to see people transformed by Jesus. It's another, it's another thing, all entirely different, for you to be transformed by Jesus. It's one thing to see somebody be healed or be transformed. It's another thing for you to walk through it. And God loves you so much. Yes, he gave his only begotten son so that you, would, can have, you could have eternal life. But he also loves you so much that he allows you to walk through seasons of life that will compel you to come to Jesus. This night, in Matthew chapter 14, in his grace, Jesus was going to allow these disciples to live something that they could not handle by themselves. Something that they could not come up with the answers to. They couldn't just put their minds together, put their hands together and figure it out. They needed God, and they needed Jesus. I want us to notice in verse number 22 that the Lord will compel his disciples to be in situations where he can build them up. My friend, God will put you in a position. He will allow you to walk through a position, to a, through a situation where you need him, and he can change your life. Grace Baptist Church has been here for 24 years, and Pastor White, if he chose to do so, would be able to tell you stories of times when he personally, or the church, went through distress, tragedy probably, difficult times when it wasn't just a matter of getting some great minds together and figuring it out. It was a moment where to look up and to look to God and say, Lord, we need you. I praise God for those times in my life when the Lord put me in a situation and he came through for me. He taught me that it's not about just me, it is about him. In verse number 22, notice, and straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Again, I would love to learn every lesson just by observation. I would love to learn every lesson of life just by reading a book. I would love to just go to the bookstore and get a book and be told what to do. I mean, most of us here today, maybe all of us, at some point have taken a book and said, I'm just going to become a better person. I'm going to read this book. It's going to change me. And some books have really helped me create some good habits, remove certain other things. You know, self-help, as they like to call it, but we don't need self-help. We need God's help. We need him to change our lives. And any church that makes it to 24, 25 years is a church that has relied on the help of God. But every life that makes, every life, that really displays what Jesus can do for us is a life that's been put through situations where only God could come through. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer out loud. I don't want you to raise your hand. But answer inside of you. Is there a situation that you're living right now that's honestly more than you can handle? Maybe there's a piece of paper that came in the mail and it's a bill. And it's sitting there and you'd rather not look at it. But you're like, I don't know what to do. 
I have personal friends that have received phone calls from their doctors, and it's beyond what they can do. They can't just change their diet or go to the gym. It's beyond them. They need God. I know some ladies, the way their husband treats them, it's beyond what she can do. I mean, it's not about her anymore. He's got serious issues. And she needs God. Well, he does too. Some kids, some kids that need the Lord. But sometimes the Lord allows us and he finds us in these situations where we need him. The disciples are constrained to get into this ship. The Lord knows that his disciples are not going to become men of faith just by hearing demons screaming their way out of a person. He knows they're not going to become men of faith simply by seeing a blind man see again. They're not going to become men of faith just by seeing these deaf people all of a sudden here. They're not going to become great men of faith. He often calls them, O ye of little faith. They're not going to become men of faith just by seeing a lame man walk. He knows they will not become men of faith simply by seeing. They will become people of faith as they go through certain things. So notice this verb in verse number 22. And straightway Jesus constrained them. Perhaps when you were a child, your parents constrained you. I remember a couple of times I did not want to go to school. I didn't want to go to school. I mean, I thought the teacher was mean. I thought my friends were mean. I thought the janitor was mean. I didn't want to go to school. I just didn't want anything to do. What did my mom, mom constrain me? She says, no, 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 Eric, you are going to school. And then I, fake, I remember faking an injury to not go to school. My mom was wiser than my fake injuries, and she constrained me to go to school. And here, the Lord is constraining his disciples to get into this ship. Because you know, the Lord knows that for you to be transformed, you're going to go through some things. All humans, with or without God, go through things. But he wants to meet you in those things to change your life, to transform your life. Let me give you an example, a personal example. My wife is a very gifted musician, a very gifted piano player. I wish she could be with, with me here today. She gives piano lessons back in Montreal. She gives them in Asia by video. Man, honestly, I have sat through a thousand piano lessons. Sometimes I can hear my wife teaching and I can say, oh, she's going to tell them to do this. Oh, she's going to correct this. And, or I hear the student do something and I'm just like, oh, in about three two, one, boom. I knew she was going to stop the lesson right there. I can see it coming. I've heard it. I know all her formulas. I know everything about it. But do you know how many songs I can play on the piano? Zero. Not one. I mean, if you want torture, ask me to play the piano. I mean, you're going to plug your ears. It's going to be really bad. I can't play a single song on the piano. You know what? But I have seen a thousand piano lessons. I've heard them. It didn't help me. The only, the only thing that would help me would be for me to actually sit down and take lessons myself for years and years. Because observation's fine, but it's not enough. You have to personally experience some things in order to be changed. And here it says he constrained his disciples. Now we're all going to go through these storms. We're all going to go through these difficulties. But I praise God that every time I go through a storm, I'm never alone. I'm never alone. I have my Savior, and he's always there for me. In James chapter 1, verse number 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy 
when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In other words, the tough times that you go through, they have the potential of transforming you if you'll meet Jesus there. If you will meet Jesus there. And the Lord was going to help you to get past just seeing, to living some things. But notice, secondly, the Lord Jesus is praying for the strengthening of his disciples. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you? Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that Jesus cares about you? And I'm not just saying that in a generic way. I'm talking to you personally. Whatever your name is, wherever you were born, whatever your heart language is, whatever brought you here today, he cares about you. Not just the person beside you or in front or behind. He cares about you. Notice verse 23 says, When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. He went, so he sends them off, and he knows that what they're going to go through. But then he goes and he prays. For them. Now, the text does not explicitly say what he prayed, but we do know that he sends them away, and then he goes away to pray. And we know that they rowed a long time. So the disciples are on this boat, they're on the Sea of Galilee, and according to a parallel passage in John 6 and verse 19, we know that they rowed for three and a half to five and a half kilometers. Now, that's a lot of rowing. They're going some, anywhere from 3.5 to 5.5 kilometers of rowing, depending on how you convert Roman into modern kilometers. Now, what is Jesus praying for? Well, the scripture doesn't actually come and tell us that. But we do know that he loved them. And if you know anything about our Savior, you know that he was praying for them. You know that he, he might have been praying for other things. He, he's on his way to the cross but I want to remind you that Jesus sees what you're going through. There are some things maybe going on in your life, and he knows. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is back in the first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. It's a story about a lady who's done nothing wrong. And people have been absolutely terrible to her. The story is found in the book of Genesis, and it's about a, na a lady named Hagar. Hagar is the servant of Abraham's wife, Sarah. And Hagar is going to have a child. His name is going to be Ishmael. And Ishmael is going to be hated by Sarah, well, the mother Hagar, because she's jealous. She wants her own son Isaac to be the one to get all the privileges, and he will be blessed. But she wants her husband to send away Hagar and send away Ishmael to get rid of them. So here, Hagar is sent away. She's not, it's not her fault. And she's in the desert, and she is there on her own, and all she does is she's waiting for her son to die. She's waiting for her son to die. She can't even look. She just sits there until God comes and meets her there. Hagar, what are you doing here? And of course God knows, but God sends her back and she calls the place where God met her Lakai Roy, which means the God who sees me. Do you know that God sees you? Do you know that God cares? Do you know that God wants to work 
in your life. Hagar that day thought her son was going to die, but God was there and he saw. You know that God sees you? He sees me. My wife and I have gone some, through some situations sometimes that none of our friends understood. As one thing I'm thinking about, for seven years we lived with a situation, a very painful situation, and we tried sharing it with friends, and yeah, you know, oh, that's too bad, and they moved on, and the response was almost as hurtful as the problem itself, and you kind of felt completely isolated. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you're living through something, you don't know who you can talk about, talk to about it. But God sees you, and Jesus cares. And 24 years of history is going to be a series of a lot of these situations. People who came, and Jesus met them. People who came with a problem, and if God chose not to solve the problem, he gave them grace to live with the problem. And strength, and supernatural strength, and supernatural support. But Jesus, you know, he cares about you. I, I, I can't, I could not imagine, try to guess where you're from or what you've gone through. But I do know this. God loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, not just for the world, but for you. This uh, past winter, I had an opportunity to go to Africa. And I was in the country of Togo. And as I was walking through a particular building, I saw a lady there. And, for, and every day, she and her friend come and they sweep the floor of a particular Bible college. And uh, they have these two branches that they use, and, and they're just sweeping and sweeping and sweeping and sweeping. And as we were leaving, one of the African pastors who was with me stopped and said to the ladies, he said, you ladies, you are going to get some great rewards in heaven today for doing this. And the lady shook her head and just says, oh, pastor, no, you're going to get rewards, but I'm not. The pastor stopped and said, wait, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says that God is going to reward you for what you're doing. And she says, really? He says, yes! He doesn't forget even a glass of cold water given in his name. He, he notices and he cares about what you're doing. And I, I have a picture on my phone. The lady, she's leaning against this wall, listening to him tell her that Jesus loves her so much that not only did he die for her, but he cares about every situation in her life. And she says, oh, I, I, I was just sweeping the floor here because I love him, because of what he's done for me. I don't think he's going to reward me. I'm just so thankful that he gave his life so that I could be saved. And I thought the least I could do was to come here and, and sweep. But, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in Togo or if you're in Montreal or if you're in Vancouver or wherever you are. God sees you and he loves you. And he cares for you. And I, when, I, when I say he cares for you, I, I mean he cares what you are going through. And he sees, and he loves, and he is praying for you. But you and I are like the disciples, starting in verse 26. We look with our eyes, and we try to look at life and figure, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get myself out of this situation? How am I going to move forward? And in the fourth watch of the night, verse 26, Jesus comes to them walking on the sea. The previous verse tells us that they had these big waves, and the wind was contrary. And twice, twice in our passage... The disciples use their eyeballs, and they come to wrong conclusions. The first time, when Jesus comes walking along, they think he's a ghost. And they scream. 
they scream like little girls. I mean, just, they're freaking out because they think they're seeing a ghost. And no, 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 fear not, it is I. And then Peter comes out of the ship and he's walking on the water and he starts to look around and he sees the big waves and he says, there's no way that I'm going to make it to Jesus. And then he begins to sink and Jesus catches him in verse 31 and says, oh, thou are of little faith, wherefore didst thy doubt? See, you can look, you can plan, you can strategize and you can try to get out of that situation, but my friend, sight can fool you. Sight can fool you. You will never be edified just by seeing. Your life will never be transformed or built up just by seeing. But the Lord, seeing what you are going through, he will always meet you there if you will meet him. In verse 31, we see as well that Jesus builds you up by intervening in your life, no matter what you're seeing. Look what he did for Peter. He says, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thy didst thou doubt jesus intervenes because he wants to change you i'm not sure what brought you to church today maybe it's a friend who invited you but maybe you're seeking you're seeking something you're seeking a change you're seeking deliverance from something i i I cannot promise how it's going to play out but i can tell you this when you go through a storm in life it is always It is always because Jesus wants to meet you there. It is always because Jesus wants to change your life. He he always wants to use that as a tool for your good. The Apostle Paul is a man that God used to write several books in the New Testament. And three times he had a particular ailment, a particular thing going on in his life, and Three times he asked, Lord, would you please take it away from me? And three times the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee. I was working as a prison chaplain in uh, Montreal at a penitentiary. I shared a story, uh, I think last time I was here, about something that happened there. There was a man who actually got arrested in Vancouver, of all places. I don't know why, but a lot of the guys I worked with at the prison had always lived in Vancouver. You know, watch your backs. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on, why. Oftentimes, they'd say, well, yeah, I moved to BC. They'd always have that line, I moved to BC. So they leave Montreal, come to BC, and somehow come back. But he had been arrested after 10 murders. Literally killed 10 people. He got arrested here on his, after his 10th murder here in Vancouver. He was working for a criminal organization and committed his 10th murder, and uh, lifer. He was going to do life in prison. And he went to the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist said to him, Sir, here's some pills. Try this. He tried the pills. It didn't work. And he had PTSD. He was shaking all the time, because every time he'd close his eyes, he would see all the horrible things he had done, and he just, it, it was robbing his sleep. It was completely killing his life. And then the psychiatrist said, okay, well, let's try some other pills and some other pills. And nothing was working. Finally, the psychiatrist said, I think you should go and see the pastor. You know, it's a bad day when the psychiatrist says, you know, I don't know what to do, just go see a pastor. So he comes to me. And he says, we need to talk. I said, all right, have a seat. And he comes and he tells me his story. And um, yeah, he, he was shaking the whole time that he's sitting there. And I felt terrible for him, even though I knew from his file everything he'd done. And he said to me, he says, I think I need God. 
I said, you do need God. And the good thing is God is looking for you. And the Lord Jesus wants to transform your life. And in spite of all the horrible things you've done, which you shouldn't have done them, but the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And no matter what you've done, my friend, Jesus' blood was shed to pay for that sin. I met with him for an hour. He came back a second time, met with him for an hour, kept discussing from the Bible what Jesus had done for him. He came back a third time, and at the end of our third meeting together, he bowed his head, and he asked Jesus Christ to be his personal Savior. He left. The next day, I was back there in the office at the prison as a chaplain, and I've got to put you in context. When you're there, you have this pager on your belt with a big red button on it. And if you ever feel like you're in danger or somebody's threatening you or attacking you, if you press that button, okay, you need to figure out how you can survive for 30 seconds. Okay? Survive, because in 30 seconds, all the guards are going to storm where you are and come and save you. So they teach you how to put the furniture and keep the guy away from you. So I'm sitting with another inmate there in the office, and the door bursts open. Here comes this guy that, you know, the, the, had killed 10 people but come to Jesus Christ. And my hand went like this. I'm not expecting him. So my hand is going for that red button. He goes, no, don't touch it. And I'm like, he says, I don't know what was in that prayer yesterday. But I slept like a baby last night for the first time in 10 years. And I said, well, what was in that prayer is the fact that Jesus Christ saved you. And the Holy Spirit came into your life. And you were made a new creature. And that, that man's life was absolutely transformed. I could tell you other stories of men, women, who've done some things that honestly really had some consequences. Maybe stories are not quite as dramatic. But you know, Jesus allows you to go through certain things because he wants to meet you there. And because he wants to transform you. And because he wants to change your life. My own dad, my own dad in Montreal was raised uh, to be a priest, actually, when he was a teenager. He went off to seminary to become a priest, but certain things happened that made him reject what he had been taught. He landed in Montreal, went the opposite end of the pendulum, and became a biker in downtown Montreal. Not a criminal biker, but a biker, and he was in that lifestyle. And one day, by his own fault. He set fire to the Christmas tree with, because in his drunken stupor, and he, he, he set a fire to a Christmas tree there and burnt a lot of things down, almost died. And that day he realized that God was his only hope. God was his only hope. And that day, not long after that, he came and he asked Jesus Christ to be his Savior and Christ completely transformed his life. Whatever you're going through, the Lord sees, and the Lord meets you in that moment in order to transform your life. One last story, and I'll be done with that. There was a man who came to our church in Montreal. His name was Bipin. Bipin had moved from India a few years before. And he came to church, and in the middle of the message, I said something that made him really mad. I, told, I said that according to the Bible, there was only one God. And he got really upset, and he walked out. And then six months later, he showed up again. 
and I recognized him. I was in the middle of the message. I saw him there, and I recognized him. I asked him after the service. I said, uh, why did you come back? I'm so glad you're here, but why are you here? He says, well, when I heard you that day, I, I got really upset because you said there was only one God, and it went against what I believe. I said, did I say it in a way that offended you? He says, no, no, no. I just didn't enjoy what I heard. I said, okay. He says, but I have a serious alcohol addiction. He says, I went back and I asked all the gods that I had in the house to help me, to help deliver me from the alcohol addiction. And he says, they didn't. And I tried and I tried and I tried and they didn't and they didn't. I went deeper and deeper and deeper in alcohol and I couldn't get out. He says, that, then I remembered that you had said that there's one true God. And I said, if that's the case, then I'm going to go back and meet that one God and see if he can help me with my alcohol. So he came back to church, began attending, and he also trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And it wasn't very long that alcohol lost its grip on him. To the point that the judge there in Montreal even called me and said, are you ready to vouch for this man because we might give him back his driver's license? And I said, well, I can't really vouch for him. He's been coming a bit. However, I will tell you this, he's a different man than what he was when he first came. He got his driver's license back. God changed his life entirely. And he said, I'm so glad that I went through that. Not that I went through that, but because Jesus met me there and he changed my life. See, Jesus Christ wants to change your life. He wants to change it so much that he came to this earth. He shed his own blood. He died for you. And then he didn't stay dead, though. The Bible tells us that he rose from the grave and he is alive today, offering to meet you where you are. 24 years of church history is a tapestry of a whole lot of lives that have been transformed by Jesus Christ. See, religion doesn't transform you. Jesus does. Religion doesn't transform anyone. Actually, all religion does, religion says, if you'll do that, 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 and that, if you do all these things, then God will receive you. Jesus says, what? no. Jesus says, no, that's not it. Jesus says, I will do it for you. And I will give my life for you. And then I will meet you there. And then I will transform your life. It's not about you doing all these things for him to accept you. He said at the cross, it is finished. And today, Jesus invites you to come and to receive him as your savior so that he can transform your life. You say, what does that have to do with Matthew chapter 14? You are going through, or have gone, or will go through situations that are greater than what you can handle, greater than what you can figure out, greater than what you can provide for. And those situations God sees, and he knows. And he is, loves you so much that he cares about you in each of those situations. And his call to you is to let him walk through that with you. To meet you in that situation. And that if you accept and receive him, I'm not saying the situation is going to vanish. Not everybody has, has the, like the stories that I told. But he will walk through that with you. But more importantly, if you receive him as your savior, he will forgive your sin. Make you a new person. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. 
He will transform you. He will walk with you through it. And you will learn that it's not just by seeing that we're transformed. But then we go through some things. And when a Jesus meets us there, he changes us, builds us, transforms us. 24 years this has happened many times. I'm sure Pastor White could share stories. And Jesus wants to do it for you too. If you will come and receive him as your personal Savior. Mr. White. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.